there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Uber Reserve, good things come to those who plan ahead. Family vacay? Reserve your ride as soon as you book your flights. To all the planners, now you can reserve your Uber ride up to 90 days in advance. See Uber app for details. On the Salisbury Plain, far from civilization, darkness covers the land. It's that quiet, almost chilling time between night and day when the rest of England is sound asleep. When anything could happen on this expanse of land, and no one would be here to witness it. Where danger could lurk off in the distance, or right beside us. We sense something coming. We're not alone. Someone is out there. Not just one, several. It's too dark to make them out. All we know is they're heading towards a monument made of massive stones. Stonehenge. The formation of stones so heavy, some believe they weren't put there by humans. Is it that simple? That obvious? That there's no way humans in 3000 BC could have crafted this structure? Did they have help from the beyond? Alien beings or spirits? What about ancient magicians capable of moving the stones with their minds? All such theories have been put forth. But the question we really long to answer, why? Why create Stonehenge at all? What purpose did it serve? As the mysterious visitors on the ground approach the cluster of stones, there's a sliver of light on the horizon. Dawn is breaking. And now we see them clearly. Humans, all of them. They've come to watch the sunrise over Stonehenge as part of the summer solstice celebration. Most of them are druids and pagans, who worship the divinity of nature and especially revel in the power and grandeur of the sun. Some 20,000 modern-day druids, pagans, and partygoers gathered round the prehistoric monument to cheer the dawn of the summer solstice. They dressed in antlers, black cloaks, and oak leaves, and danced to the sound of drums and whistles. The stone pillars were lit in pink and purple floodlights. One woman from New York says she'd saved up for a year to make it to Stonehenge. She says for her, it's as important as the Muslim pilgrimage to Mecca. For at this place, one day in June out of the entire year, the sun rises directly over the heelstone, that is, the stone set about 800 feet away from the main circle, and light splits the circular monument directly in half. The measurements are precise, and with the sun aligned perfectly with the heelstone, marking the longest day of the year, we can't help but wonder, was Stonehenge built to track the summer solstice? And if so, what else may it track? 
Years? Months? Days? What about hours? Are we standing inside the largest calendar ever created? And if we are, why is the ground filled with ancient human remains? In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this podcast, we don't take, we don't know for an answer. Every week, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm your host, Claire. This is our second episode on Stonehenge, England's mysterious prehistoric monument. If you like the show, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. A new episode comes out every Thursday. While you're there, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, on Twitter at Parcast Network, and at Parcast.com. Today, as we dive into more research and contemporary findings, we will come to realize that we cannot just consider Stonehenge an isolated incident. That's right, because it may actually be part of something much larger than itself. Was Stonehenge built as a druid temple? Or was it built as a monument to bury and honor the dead? Today, we're examining the evidence for both of those theories. We last left off with William Cunnington's team's discovery of human remains buried at Stonehenge. But his team wasn't the first to find graves at Stonehenge. That honor goes to William Stukeley and his team, who studied Stonehenge from 1721 to 1724. Stukeley found the bones of a young girl who was about 14 years old. Buried with her remains were ornamental accessories, beads, a piece of a javelin, and a bronze hairpin. Could she have been someone important due to all her fine accessories? Maybe a princess of some kind? But why was she buried here? And does that suggest that Stonehenge was some kind of a special burial ground? And if so, who else of importance could have been buried here? Flash forward 80 years to the early 1800s. During the course of his excavation, William Cunnington and his team uncovered 200 burial mounds in and around Stonehenge. Inside were human remains. Ashes, staghorns, weapons, urns, pottery and stone chips. Cunnington's crew also found more valuable items in one of the mounds. Buried with human bones were a gold dagger and a gold belt hook, not to mention two pieces of gold in the shape of a diamond. So there's another important person buried at Stonehenge. Maybe he was royalty. Maybe a valued warrior. Maybe he was a human sacrifice. But sacrificed by whom? Possibly the ancient Druids. For years, one of the most popular theories was that Stonehenge was an ancient Druidic temple used for human sacrifice. Put simply, the ancient Druids were high-ranking officials in Celtic cultures. They were usually priests, but they were also teachers, judges, healers, and philosophers. They had a hierarchy within their society, and the color of the members' robes indicated their class or position. There's a lot of hearsay about the Druids, 
but it has been confirmed that they worshipped multiple gods and put an emphasis on nature. Reporter Melissa Gray had this to say. It's not clear why Stonehenge was built, but some experts say its builders aligned the stones with the sun as part of its sun-worshipping culture. A spokeswoman for modern-day Druids says celebrating the solstice is a way of attuning with the cycles of nature and connecting with the land. So they were possibly gathering at Stonehenge to worship. And the Druids were known to practice human sacrifice. Often they did this to heal a gravely ill person or protect someone in battle. They usually sacrificed criminals, but sometimes resorted to innocent individuals if necessary. It was actually John Aubrey of the Aubrey Holes who first proposed an idea linking the ancient Druids to Stonehenge. He came to the conclusion that the Druids built Stonehenge as a Celtic temple. William Stukeley, who found the remains of the important young girl, also believed in the Druid theory. It makes sense, since modern-day Druids celebrate the solstices at Stonehenge. Stonehenge holds another clue that lends itself to this theory. If you look just a little closer at the stones themselves, you'll see mysterious carvings. Long-forgotten messages from the past. Forgotten until the 1950s when they were rediscovered. Right. In 1953, Professor Richard John Copeland Atkinson, a British prehistorian and archaeologist, visited Stonehenge. While he was photographing graffiti carved into the stones by tourists, he noticed something no one had ever seen before. Almost undetectable carvings in the stones, in the shape of axes and a dagger. Possible tools for human or animal sacrifice? Yes. As Atkinson's study of Stonehenge zeroed in on this new finding, his team began examining the stones more closely. The team eventually found 12 carvings. But in 2011, laser technology was used on the stones, and that scan uncovered roughly 115 total axe carvings and a few daggers marked into the rock. It turned out that Stonehenge constitutes the biggest single collection of prehistoric rock carvings in southern England. Most of the carvings are not visible to the naked eye and require a laser to see them. The data collected from the laser scan also showed that the size of the carvings were all very similar. This could mean that whoever did these carvings may have used an actual axe or dagger as a sort of stencil. According to an article written by David Keyes for the British online newspaper The Independent, the carvings may have been intended as offerings for the gods. Going back to the idea that Stonehenge was a temple. Keyes writes, quote, In Indo-European tradition, axe heads were often associated with storm deities, and some surviving European folklore beliefs suggest that upwards-facing axe blades were used as magical talismans to protect crops, people, and property against lightning and storm damage. It's potentially significant that every single one of the Stonehenge axe head images have their blades pointing skywards, while the daggers point downwards. The axe heads, the vast majority of the images, may therefore have been engraved as votive offerings to placate a storm deity and thus protect crops, end quote. 
The Stonehenge as a Druid temple theory also lines up with the massive amount of effort put in to build it. The rock's alignment with the solar cycle and the altar stone and slaughter stone. Those are the stones believed to have been used for human sacrifice. Okay, let's poke some holes in this. In Celtic, doesn't the word druid mean knowing the oak tree? Yes. The druids were closely associated with oak forests, leaves, and trees in general. Which is why it seems odd they would have built a temple in the middle of a vast plain where there weren't many trees. That's a good point. And here's the kicker. Most historians don't believe the Druids arrived in Britain until over 2,000 years after Stonehenge was built. The earliest record of the Druids is around the 300s BC, and Stonehenge was started around 3000 BC, over nearly 2,000 years prior. So while we can't say for sure it wasn't the Druids who built Stonehenge, it's not likely it was. We have one more major theory on why Stonehenge was built, and it came about after even more human remains were found at the site. Even without the Druids, it appears Stonehenge was built for death. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Awaken your senses with a curiously refreshing Hendrix Cucumber Lemonade. Curious how? Cue the aroma. Marvelous. Cue the taste. Magnificent. Cue the cucumber. That's the refreshing secret. Hendrix is uncommonly crafted with cucumbers, roses, artistry, and imagination. Other gins are ordinary, but Hendrix is refreshingly curious. Discover Hendrix Gin cocktail recipes at HendrixGin.com. Please drink the unusual responsibly. Hendrix Gin, 44% alcohol by volume. Bottled and imported by William Grant Sons, New York, New York. Copyright 2024. And now let's continue the story. In 2002 and 2003, seven more graves were found at Stonehenge. Last year, the remains of a Bronze Age archer was unearthed at Stonehenge. Now a team from Wessex Archaeology have found six more bodies near the mysterious ring of ancient monoliths. The remains of four adults and two children were found about half a mile from that of the archer. The grave also contained four pots, some flint tools and a bone toggle for fastening clothing. The team believes the remains, like the archer, date from 2300 BC, which was around the time Stonehenge was built. But they say it's entirely possible the bones of those are people from different generations, as the grave seems to have been reopened to allow further burials. Andrew Fitzpatrick of Wessex Archaeology says this find is unusual in that it's exceptionally rare to find the remains of so many people in one grave like this in southern England. He adds that the unearthed grave is fascinating because it's giving us a glimpse into the moment when Britain was moving from the Stone Age into the Bronze Age. This brings us to the most prominent and likely theory, that Stonehenge is a cemetery and monument to the dead. In the early 2000s, after these bodies were found, a coalition of archaeologists, scientists, professors, and students decided to explore this theory. These were people who were not satisfied with the current theories about Stonehenge. 
They believed Stonehenge was part of something larger, and they were committed to solving the mystery. Beginning in 2003, the Stonehenge Riverside Project paved the way for a theory revolving around Stonehenge and another nearby monument known as Durrington Walls. Heading it up is Mike Parker Pearson, a professor at the UCL Institute of Archaeology. But it wasn't Pearson that initially sparked the project. Well, not him entirely. There was another man that really planted the seed, Pearson's friend and colleague, an archaeologist by the name of Romilly Sanina. Originally from Madagascar, Romilly Sanina and Pearson did some archaeology work together in Africa. And in 1998, Romilly Sanina joined Pearson in England. He and Pearson went to Stonehenge that year. And as they stared at the puzzling monument, Pearson told Romilly Sanina that no one really knew for certain why it was created or what it was used for. According to Pearson, Romilly Sanina looked at him strangely, disgusted even, and said, quote, Have you learned nothing from working with me in Madagascar? End quote. Romilly Sanina said it was clear to him what the stones were used for. Romilly Sanina came from a long line of people in Africa who erected stones for a specific purpose. Which was? To honor ancestors. According to Romilly Sanina, Stones were a symbol of eternity. It makes sense, given that stone is one of the few occurring materials that lives on throughout the ages, unlike wood that deteriorates over time. Yes. Wood versus stone. Keep this in mind. Now, it was Pearson's conversation with his colleague that catalyzed the Stonehenge Riverside Project. Pearson wanted to discover if Ramali Sanina was in fact correct. Were the stones erected as a monument for fallen ancestors? In order to answer that question, Pearson believed he and his team would have to excavate not just Stonehenge, but the area surrounding it. And that's what led the team to explore another nearby monument known as Durrington Walls, according to reporter Charles de la Desma. Like Stonehenge itself, the structure's precise purpose remains a mystery. Experts believe the fine helps show that Stonehenge was once much more than just a cluster of sandstone blocks standing in an empty field. Archaeologist Tim Darvell says the complex was perhaps the largest ceremonial centre in Europe. Durrington Walls, about two miles northeast of Stonehenge, is considered one of the largest henges in all of England and in the world. For those who may have forgotten, henge refers to a structure encircled by a bank and a ditch. Stonehenge is not the only one. It may be considered the most famous, but there are actually several remains of henges all over England. What remains of Durrington Walls? Evidence of a massive circular bank and inside of that, a circular ditch in a lush green area. But the team would discover much more beneath the surface. The entire henge measures about 500 meters in diameter and is believed to have had four entrances. Only one is still visible today, but it actually aligns with the winter solstice sunrise. This means that during the winter solstice, the sun rises directly over the central entrance to Durrington Walls. Which is the exact opposite of Stonehenge, where the summer solstice sun rises over the heelstone right at the halfway point of the structure. Imagine a knife cutting a pie in half. That's what the sun does to Stonehenge in the summer and to Durrington Walls in the winter. 
The sun aligns with both hinges, but at opposite times of the year. This spurred the team to research Durrington Walls. The participants in the Stonehenge Riverside Project excavated Durrington Walls just about two miles up the River Avon. This river is important because it also runs alongside Stonehenge. In the process of the dig, the team uncovered evidence of a bustling community. They found that Durrington Walls had actually been a settlement area. People lived in houses made of timber and plaster that measured five by five meters. It's estimated that there were about a thousand homes and up to 4,000 people living there at one time. The myriad of pig bones the team found suggested that pork was the primary source of meat. Archaeologists also found remnants of massive cooking pots. Whoever prepared the food was doing so for what could have only been big celebratory feasts potentially for the winter and summer solstices. Archaeologist and prominent Stonehenge scholar Tim Darville said, quote, The festivals celebrating the seasons changing at the winter or summer solstice could have been part of that process of building that monument, end quote. He was referring to the building of Stonehenge, that it may have been erected in part to acknowledge the winter and summer solstices. Stonehenge, however, was most likely not a settlement. Right, as there is no evidence of the same activity believed to have occurred at Durrington Walls. No community of homes, no production of food, no feasting on pigs, which means Stonehenge was most likely a place to visit, not live. And according to Pearson, Stonehenge and Durrington Walls were probably built around the same time which means that the settlers living at Durrington Walls most likely built Stonehenge. As we said, the River Avon borders both Stonehenge and Durrington Walls, and they're just a few miles apart. The Stonehenge Riverside Project proposed that the river provided a direct link from Stonehenge to Durrington Walls. And vice versa. But that's not all it may have linked. This is where it gets very interesting. Pearson writes, quote, The river may have been significant as a link between the living and the dead, end quote. Pearson goes on to say, quote, The perishable wood of Durrington Walls and the permanent stone of Stonehenge represent the concept of the living transitioning into death, end quote. And this goes back to my comment about wood versus stone. As well as Pearson's colleague, Romelisa Nina, claiming that the stones of Stonehenge were erected to honor the dead, to honor ancestors. This is the basis of Pearson's theory, which he discusses in that same article. Pearson writes, quote, Thus, progress from life to death was a process of metaphorical transformation from wood to stone, in the same way that the fleshed body ultimately turns to bone, end quote. Were the builders of Stonehenge so preoccupied with life and with death that they built a structure to signify this? Our story will continue in a moment after the break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of trying therapy, learn more at BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com. And now, back to Unexplained Mysteries. Pearson and Romilly Sanina's theory doesn't end with the construction of Stonehenge. It also proposes the idea of a funeral procession along the River Avon. Carrying the remains of their loved ones, people would sail down the river. Once on land, they would walk the avenue leading up to Stonehenge, where they would bury their deceased. Pearson explains, quote, This stretch of river was interpreted as a processional route along which the dead entered the spirit world, reaching Stonehenge only after they had shed their mortal shells. In other words, the course of the river formed a stage for the enactment and performance of the most important concern in people's lives, the journey through death and into the afterworld, end quote. Now this is interesting and familiar. What human civilization has not contemplated life after death? The Egyptians placed so much significance on the afterlife that they buried their pharaohs and other high-ranking officials with gold, jewels, and treasures. The Mesopotamians believed that man was created by a god called Welu, who mixed clay and blood together. When someone dies, the mortal part of them returns to clay, or to the earth. But the immortal part travels to the underworld where it crosses the Kuba River. The Maori tribespeople of what is now modern New Zealand believed that the dead would slide down a tree into the ocean where their ancestors would be waiting to greet them. I'm sensing a pattern with water. Well, yes. The Greeks believed in an underworld where the dead had to ferry across the river Styx. But there's also a similar theme of uniting with ancestors. Absolutely. Western religions like Christianity emphasize the concept of preparing for eternal life, a better place where physical ailments and emotional pain don't exist, and where the deceased can meet God and reunite with friends and family again. The two most common motifs in various stories of the afterlife that I'm seeing, water and reuniting with ancestors. Which brings us back to the theory which connects Stonehenge to Durrington Walls by the River Avon. So, if Durrington Walls was the place where the ancient peoples of this region of England ate, slept, worked, and lived, what exactly was Stonehenge, besides a monument to the dead? A resting place for the dead. In other words, a massive cemetery. In 2008, when Mike Parker Pearson and a much larger team of archaeologists, scientists, and students returned to Stonehenge for another excavation, they found some startling evidence for this. The Stonehenge Riverside Project focused on re-excavating a particular pit 
that had already been dug up by Colonel William Hawley in the 1920s. Hawley's assistant, Robert Newell, ended up burying a bunch of what Hawley had discovered, including cremated human remains. According to Pearson, Newell had reburied remains from about 60 people. The findings made the news. Bones of 63 people found at the site suggest that family groups were buried at a circular enclosure which was a larger version of Stonehenge and was built 500 years before the monument we know today. Professor Mike Parker Pearson at University College London says the remains included men, women and children and the location of many of their bodies was originally marked by bluestones. The study also shows that up to 4,000 people had travelled from across Britain to build Stonehenge. Mike Pitts, a British journalist and archaeologist who participated in the Stonehenge Riverside Project in 2008, estimated that there may have been 240 people buried at Stonehenge. This is actually a pretty big number, considering the population of England at the time Stonehenge was built was less than 100,000 people. It's believed that these were mostly adult men and women, since only a few remains of children were found. Because of all these findings, Pearson and his team have concluded that Stonehenge was actually the largest cemetery in all of England during the third millennium BC. But it wasn't just a site for the dead to be buried. It was a stone monument symbolizing the importance of our ancestors and therefore the importance of the past. But also the importance of the afterlife. Which we could equate with the future. I think this is the most likely theory. I'd have to agree with you. Pearson and Ramalisa Nina's theory makes the most sense. And it's very likely ceremonial funeral processions happened along the River Avon to represent the journey of the soul from life to death. Exactly. People need a narrative. People need to place importance on this life. And how do we do that but by placing just as much importance on death? In other words, life and death give meaning to each other. Absolutely. Durrington Walls was the place of life, community, celebration, large feasts. And Stonehenge was the place of death. Yes, but not in a morbid way, in an honorable way. A place to show reverence for the fallen and embrace their lasting impact. From wood to stone. Stone endures just like we want to imagine the human soul would. It looks like the builders of Stonehenge achieved their goal. Stonehenge is still here, representing those we've lost and the afterlife, and it's not going anywhere. We've taken you through the most prominent and what we believe to be the most plausible theories regarding Stonehenge. First, the idea that Stonehenge was actually an advanced prehistoric calendar. To be fair, I don't think we can rule out the idea of Stonehenge as some sort of calendar. To say it was as accurate as our modern calendars might be taking it too far. But we can't ignore how the sun aligns with the heelstone during the summer solstice. So could that have been intentional? I think so. So do I. But I don't think that was the sole purpose for its creation. However, it may have been the reason the stones were aligned as they were. Then, the idea the Druids built Stonehenge as a temple, which isn't impossible, but thanks to recent historical findings, is the least likely theory. So the real reason for the creation of Stonehenge 
I agree with Mike Parker Pearson that Stonehenge was indeed a significant burial site and monument to the afterlife. I agree with that theory, too. It lines up best with the facts we know about Stonehenge. But what do you think? Weigh in on Twitter at Parcast Network or Instagram and Facebook at Parcast with your own theories. One thing's for sure. The beauty and mystery of Stonehenge will endure. Stonehenge is in a category all its own. And yet, now we've learned that it was most likely part of something much larger than we originally thought. We will never be able to fully grasp the scope of its importance, but now we can at least say we have a pretty good idea of why it was created. And we can see it clearly for what it is, a bridge to the past. But also, a great symbol of eternity, and in turn, an emblem of hope for the future. Don't forget to subscribe to Unexplained Mysteries on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. And remember... Never take, we don't know, for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Joel Stein and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Unexplained Mysteries is written by Jess Mallow and stars Claire Delamar and Richard Rossner. <laughs>